Good evening, everybody. This is The House Call with Dr. Rob. I am Dr. Rob Stinson. I appreciate you joining me tonight. I look forward to this uh, every week, getting to hang out with you guys and have the privilege of discussing the greatest sport in the history of the world, the sport of professional wrestling. Like me, many of you grew up with Stu Sachs, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and the whole family of magazines that formed part of that PWI uh, series of publications. I'm thinking about The Wrestler, uh, inside wrestling, the Victory Sports Series magazines. Remember, they had the little Victory Sports Series circle at the top of the publication. Uh, in fact, that Vic that inside wrestling was usually my favorite because it had the roll call of champions in the back. I used to consult that. <clears throat> I'd keep my own little notebooks. I loved that. I spent all my allowance on that growing up. My favorite single issue of the year, however, usually and still does appear around January or February of each uh, of uh, of the year. It's the March PWI issue. And this has always been reserved for the PWI end of year superlatives, the end of year awards, the, the most uh, uh, popular wrestler, match of the year, all that stuff. Uh, and just last week, I received my 2020 end of year superlative issues in the mail. And I actually bought this on the newsstand because, uh, you know, I, I get mine a little bit later. But I, I wanted to read the write up about uh, Thunder Rosa in there. But uh, I got my issue in the mail uh, just this week, and of course the cover is graced by uh, Orange Cassidy, who wins uh, most popular wrestler of the year, and true to his persona, he's got the plaque upside down. It's a really clever, clever picture there, and a nice looking cover, um, but the end of year magazine is more than just superlatives. It is a comprehensive look at, um, at the highs and lows of the year. It's a celebration of the previous year for good or ill. And as I turn the pages of this issue, you're going to see, um, you know, a month by month retelling of what happened, all the major title changes. I mean, it's a really, really a, a, a very good and comprehensive publication. Uh, this particular issue, Medusa Michelli uh, is winning the Stanley Weston Award. Uh, so I encourage you to go back and look at that. Medusa, of course, is one of the all-time greats. Um, Stu Sachs, a retired uh, this year and handed over the reins of leadership at PWI to his successor, uh, but just a great publication. And um, and as I turned the pages of this magazine, I thought it'd be fun over the next two episodes of The House Call to reflect on a bold claim that I've made multiple times on my social media boards, on the This Is Pro Wrestling live streams. And that assertion has always been that 1986 is the greatest year in the history of pro wrestling. So I've used the occasion of the 2020 retrospective to initiate a retrospective on the year 1986, which I feel is the greatest year in wrestling of all time. Now, obviously, this is purely opinion, and I, it's only as worth as much as you think my opinion is, is worthwhile. Um, there are many other years uh, that are often suggested as perhaps the greatest of all time. You, of course, got 2002, 1982, 1996. Uh, and I'm sure that out there in, in the great masses of wrestling fans, every year is represented. There is someone that will say that any particular year is the greatest year of all time. So saying that one year is, uh, is better than the other is far from objective. Um, it is autobiographical. It tells us a lot about ourselves, uh, more so than what it states about uh, the sport of professional wrestling or what was going on that year. Uh, for me, my earliest memories are of wrestling, always. I, I can't remember a time when I didn't know and love wrestling. I remember Mad Dog Bus Sawyer, Tommy Wildfire Rich, Gordon Sully, the Fabulous Freebirds. These are the distinctive memories that I have growing up. I have memories going back, uh, distinctive memories going back to 1979, 1980, around that time frame. 
but for me, and maybe it was just the fact that I was maturing and becoming much more aware, 1986 was the year that got me. That's the year that I became fully invested, uh, that wrestling was number one tops. So now I got a lot of passions in my life. I've always liked rock and roll. I love the, uh, the Atlanta Braves. You know, I'm a huge baseball fan. I like my George Bulldogs. But for me, nothing compares to pro wrestling. And uh, with that being said, no year has ever surpassed the greatness of 1986. Uh, and today and on Friday, I'm going to tell you why that is. So uh, I am proud to present to you the House Calls 10 Reasons Why 1986 is the Greatest Year in Wrestling History. Okay. Number 10 is surprisingly for an NWA guy, it's actually a WWF Endeavor, the Sam Muchnick Tournament. This was a tournament. Um, promoted by the World Wrestling Federation, held at the Kill Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri, which, of course, was the legendary territory of Sam Muchnick, the great icon of the National Wrestling Alliance. And this featured a 16-man single elimination tournament. Uh, now, it was headlined by Hulk Hogan versus Paul Orndorff. And for the, many of you who know me know that I'm a huge fan of Paul Orndorff, maybe my favorite uh, WWF star of all time, uh, I actually have this um, baseball that uh, Mr. Uh, Wonderful signed for me. He took great pains. I mean, look at the, he took time to write that out and sign it. And uh, uh, he inscribed main event. Let's see if you can see that in the lighting there. Main event of WrestleMania number one. Uh, and very, just very gracious. We spent a, a great deal of time talking and got to spend several hours and a couple of beverages with him. It was a, one of my great events, but I fell in love with, I've always been in love with Paul Orndorff and he's, he's been one of my favorites, but that is not why this event ranks as my number 10 reason 1986 was the uh, greatest year in pro wrestling. For me, you got to remember going back in time that 1986 was a time when the WWF did not acknowledge anybody else. As far as they were concerned, the WWF was the only promotion in the world. There was no NWA. There was no world wrestling council, no AWA, no world-class, none of that. And for the WWF to promote an event called the Sam Muchnick Tournament in St. Louis, Missouri, showed a lot of maturity and a lot of um, a diplomacy on the part of the WWF. And this tournament, the 16-man tournament, was the bomb. I mean, it featured guys like uh, Brian Blair, the great Don Morocco, Greg the Hammer Valentine, uh, Adrian Adonis, uh, JYD, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Pedro Morales, uh, Pacific Northwest legend Billy Jack Haynes, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I mean, it was stacked. Um, four rounds, a first round, a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final. Let me read you how this played out, okay? In the first round, Harley Race pinned Brian Blair. Don Morocco and Greg Valentine were both eliminated by double disqualification. Uh, Adrian Adonis pinned King Tonga. Um, Hercules Hernandez was pinned by the Junkyard Dog. Uh, Brutus Beefcake pinned Lanny Poffo. Uh, Pedro Morales pinned the great Dory Funk Jr. Uh, Jim Brunzel was pinned by Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Okay, so you got a lot of NWA names, NWA names represented in this, uh, from Harley Race to uh, to Junkyard Dog to Bill, uh, Billy Jack Haynes to Dory Funk Jr. to Ricky Steamboat. A lot of guys with steep history and ties to both the WWF but also the NWA. In the quarterfinals, Harley Race advanced uh, th through a bye. Uh, the Junkyard Dog beat Adrian Adonis. Brutus Beefcake beat Pedro Morales. And Ricky Steamboat beat Billy Jack Haynes. In the semifinals, Harley Race beat junk, uh, Junkyard Dog. And Ricky Steamboat beat Brutus Beefcake to set up the match for the finals. And appropriately, the winner of the Sam Muchnick tournament 
on August 29, 1986, was Harley Race defeating Ricky Steamboat by submission at seven minutes and four seconds. So number 10, the Sam Muchnick Tournament. Number nine, Jim Cornette versus Baby Doll. Okay, now the first crush in my life was the lovely Baby Doll, the perfect 10. She was then and she still is now the perfect 10. I remember being jealous of Tully Blanchard. I remember being jealous of Dusty Rhodes when she was with Rhodes. I remember being jealous of Flair. I remember being jealous, of course, when she married Sam Houston. You can then imagine my outrage on the night in April 1986 when Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express had that, that encounter with Dusty Rhodes and Baby Doll. Uh, it started out where uh, Jim Cornette and Midnight Express had come to the ring to wrestle a preliminary team. They demolished them, were attacking them with the belts, and they started trash-talking Dusty. Dusty came out to the ring. Of course, at the time, he was accompanied uh, to the ring by Baby Doll. And uh, the melee ensued, and in the course of the melee, uh, Jim Cornette breaking all kinds of, <laughs> of rules and expectations about how a man should treat a woman, especially in those days. Now, this was prior to the Attitude Era, okay? But Jim Cornette hit Baby Doll in the abdomen with that uh, notorious tennis racket. And, uh, you know, Baby Doll was injured. She was out for a while. And that set up a feud uh, that would play out during the Great American Bash that year between Baby Doll and Jim Cornette. But for me, like, I remember just being just frothing in anger and just being completely, totally, sincerely concerned about the health and well-being of Baby Doll. And for me, that feud, the Jim Cornette Baby Doll feud, was the number nine reason why 1986 was the greatest year in pro wrestling. Number eight, again, a WWF entry here, okay? WrestleMania two. This was at the height of Hulkamania. This was a time when Hulk Hogan was impervious to injury. He truly was immortal. In my mind, as a kid, 10 years old in those days, he could not be touched. And so it came as shock to me that King Kong Bundy exposed Hulk Hogan for being a human being. In fact, not immortal. Uh, I remember Hogan was wrestling uh, the Magnificent Morocco. It was uh, March of 1986. And at some point in this match, Bundy runs in and Morocco and Bundy are tag teaming uh, Hogan. They're just pounding him. And then, of course, um, uh, Bundy delivered that infamous avalanche, that's, that, that press, that full body press on the ribs of Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's ribs were broken and he was out for some time. He was advised not to compete. Uh, nevertheless, Hogan accepted King Kong Bundy's challenge with the tape around his uh, ribs. I remember the cage, those big blue bars. It wasn't like the cages that we had down in the South, the steel mesh. They had these huge blue bars. And I remember that match being one where I thought that Hulk Hogan might be badly injured and that might be the end. I mean, this is what I'm thinking as a 10 year old, uh, at the start of the match. Now this was, this was the third of three main events. Remember there was a main event coming to you from, uh, New York, that was uh, Roddy Piper and Mr. T in a boxing match refereed by Smoking Joe Frazier. There was the match in Chicago between the British Bulldogs and uh, the Dream Team, Greg Valentine and Bruce Speedcake. We're going to talk about that later. And then, of course, this was the big prize. The L.A. match was Hogan and Bundy. And at the start, of course, Bundy removed uh, Hogan's uh, rib tape. And the, the match went back and forth. Bundy was really dominant in the match. But ultimately... Hogan uh, was able to kick out of another avalanche um, and uh, was able to climb the steel cage. Bunny catches Hogan's legs. Uh, nevertheless, 
Hogan kicked Bundy, climbed over the top of the steel cage, and down to the floor to win the match and retain the title. The stipulation, of course, was to win the match. All you had to do was either get a pinfall, a submission, or climb the cage. Uh, after the match, Hogan catches Bobby the Brain Heenan inside the cage, and as Bundy was reeling from the match, Hogan uh, rammed Heenan's head into the cage before uh, putting him in the atomic drop, uh, and that was history. Number eight, uh, all-time reason why 1986 was the greatest year of all time, WrestleMania II, Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy. Number seven, in the 1980s, world-class owned Texas. And for five years, the cotton extravaganza came to us from the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas. Now, they did this each year from 84 to 88 or 89. I can't quite remember. But this one, the third annual, the 1986 Cotton Bowl extravaganza was by far the best. Looking at the matches, you had uh, Kevin Von Erich, the Barefoot Warrior, winning uh, the WCWA World Championship from uh, Black Bart. You had Ricky Steamboat, who was under contract with the WWF at the time, making a rare out-of-promotion appearance, winning his match against the Mighty Zulu. Uh, you had Mike Von Erich uh, defeating Spike Johnson, and of course, the greatest match, one of the greatest matches ever, certainly one of the greatest matches of 1986, the legendary match between Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher in the steel cage. You want to talk about two guys who were larger than life, who scared me as a kid, um, who were among the most brutal, most extreme wrestlers well before there was a time of extremities uh, in, in pro wrestling. These guys were bringing barbed wire, fire, spikes, forks to the ring well before anybody in the East Coast Independence or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania were even dreaming it. And uh, Bruiser Brody defeated Abdullah the Butcher uh, in a steel cage match. By the way, the special referee in that match, Fritz Von Erich, which brings us to number six, and this is not going to be a surprise to anybody, especially to my good friend Wilmart. Number six was the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. There have been four Crockett Cups, 1986, 1987, 1988, and then 2019, the reinstitution of the cup. This was the Jim Crockett inaugural Senior Memorial Cup. And, uh, of course, I, I, uh, we spoke about on TikTok how uh, Flair always seemed to make an imprint on this, and Flair did wrestle Dusty Rhodes in, in uh, the solo main, the singles main event, put the title on the line. But this night was all about tag teams, and there were a number of great tag teams represented in this tournament. You had Wahoo McDaniel and Jay Youngblood. You had Fantastics. You had the Sheep Herders. You had Ronnie Garvin and uh, Magnum TA. And, of course, you had Hawk and Animal. Uh, the road warriors and at the end of the night the winners of the first ever jim crockett senior memorial cup were the road warriors defeating uh ronnie garvin and magnum ta now you can see so far that 1986 was quite a year if we left it at just that we could make a credible argument that 1986 was the greatest year of all time but we're not going to stop there guys we have much more to go Join us this Friday as we conclude the list that proves that 1986 was the greatest year in wrestling history. This is Dr. Rob Stinson. This is The House Call, and you're in good hands. We'll see you next time.